correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPG, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here with my friend Steve. Hello. And we have a very special guest, but before we get to our special guest, let's talk about some Eberron Renewed for our D20 podcast of the week. Yes, Eberron Renewed is this wonderful actual play podcast set in, of all places, the world of Eberron. I don't know no. how you'd ever guess that. They've done, I believe they're awfully close to wrapping up their second campaign now. Now, their first one ran for two or three years, I think, and they played in 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. Second campaign, they transitioned over to the Genesis rule system, which you've heard us all talk about quite a bit. They have announced that their third campaign will likely be neither of those systems. So, what that'll be is yet to come. Yeah. But they're really cool. We had uh, Eric, their GM, on way back in, geez, I think like episode eight, episode six, something like that, long time ago. Yeah, cool um, stuff. Yeah, very good show. So who do we have on this week, Steve? This week we have uh, someone I'm really excited to talk to. We have Bridget Jeffries, also known as Keeper Bridget from Miskatonic University Podcast. And, um, well... Hello, Bridget, and I'll just let you tell people about all the other stuff you do, because you I know you do all kinds of things. Hey, is Bridget here already? Did you guys already <laughs> invite her? Um, <laughs> I thought so. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> I thought my name was Steve. Wasn't that like the requirement to be on the show? <laughs> oh, I, oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I got crossed up in the notes. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, man. Well, this is going to get weird. Oh, hi, everyone. My name is Bridget Jeffries. Uh, as Steve has already mentioned, I am a co-host on the Miskatonic University podcast. You can hear me over there rambling and giggling uncontrollable, uncontrollably about weird and horrific role-playing games. Uh, if you're not listening to me over there, you might catch me over at Chaosium. I am one of their community ambassadors, uh, which basically means I help people go from, huh, I have this really cool idea for Call of Cthulhu, uh, but I don't know what to do with it. And I can go, hey, take that cool idea, do these eight things, and we can get you published. Uh, on the Miskatonic repository, which is Chaosium's fan-created hub base. So you can actually monetize that quote-unquote cool idea you have. And if you don't catch me over there, there's like a thousand and one other places you can find me. But uh, I own Symphony Entertainment, which is literally my little happy child that does nothing but promotes, runs, writes, and publishes horror tabletop role-playing games. That is her hard line. That is her boundary. That is what she does. And that's what we love. Very, very cool. Also, you happen to be a good friend of our friend, Alex Thomas. Hi, Alex. <laughs> I love you. I need to message you. I'm having issues on Streamlabs. <laughs> <laughs> now, we uh, we got to play with Alex, oh, about a month ago uh, in person at our local convention, and that was a blast. He's incredible, isn't he? Oh, my gosh, yes. He's such good. What did you play? Mutants and Masterminds, and then me and him played uh, Cyberpunk 2020, of all things. Oh, yeah. Listen, yeah. Alex can tell a story, honey. And if you put him behind oh, yeah. a screen of a mutants and masterminds, get ready for the time of your life. Mm -hmm. I, I, I stand by and, and he'll probably get mad at me for saying this, but I stand by as I really only ever want to play mutants and masterminds when he runs it. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> he's that good. He yeah. really, really is. I, I, I think I could run it, but I don't think I could ever run it nearly as good as he does. And I just I just stand by every time every time I see him around. I'm like, I'm I'm down for some mutants and masterminds. Mm -hmm. Please, sir. I want some more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, so I thought I would get you on to kind of talk just about because a lot of people hear horror games and they go, well, I don't like horror. And I will say that for the most part, I am not a horror movie or horror book fan. Mm -hmm. Like, to some extent, like Jurassic Park 3 is a survival horror movie. I like it. I enjoyed Silence of the Lambs a lot. I don't get into any of the Halloween or etc. Yeah. It, it just doesn't do anything for me. But 
I love playing Call of Cthulhu, Delta Green, mm-hmm. anything like that. And I have often struggled with like, well, how do I explain why this is fun? Like we're literally sending our character willingly into the jaws of worse than death. <laughs> right. And we enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I will say this much, babe, and this is not me trying to make you feel good. This is just in talking with several members of the horror tabletop role-playing community. You are not alone in not enjoying horror media or horror literary. I cannot tell you the amount of friends that I have. Like, oh, I don't watch horror movies. They scare me. I don't enjoy that at all. But they will write the hell out of a Call of Cthulhu scenario or run something as just emotionally staggered as possible in another horror system, but they don't enjoy horror media. So you are honestly not alone. I could literally rattle off 20 people right now in my friends list. I was like, oh no, I hate horror movies, but I love horror gaming. Okay. So you're not alone. You are 100% <laughs> not alone. That is not weird. I think that's more common than people give it credit for. Fair enough. So um, I guess, you know, what, what got you into horror gaming? Well, gaming in general, but then horror gaming, I suppose. Yeah. Um, you want me to split that in two or you want me to choose one? I don't care. Usually I don't I don't You're care. You're the guest. You get to talk about whatever you want. We just answer. Yeah, okay. Okay. Let's do uh how I got into gaming in general. So I was a sophomore in high school. Uh, I went to a so I'm a black female. I went to a very inner city high school in Akron, Ohio. And I was in my AP calculus class and I was talking my head off. Ha! <laughs> a big surprise. Bridget talks a lot. So I was talking <laughs> talking my head off to one of my friends and my teacher, Mr. Fox, finally had enough of it. And he's like, hey, I'm putting you in detention. Now, Steve and Steve, let's 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 put something straight really fast. I thought I was the golden girl walking through the high schools of Central Howard High School. I was like, no one's going to put me in detention. No one's going to reprimand me. I'm blah, blah. No, no. He was like, no, I don't care. So you can go sit in detention. So that evening, afternoon, uh, whatever seventh period was, I was sitting in his detention uh, with an attitude and super irritated because somebody actually, you know, called me on my stuff and sat me down, which I was totally in the wrong. I totally deserved it. And he's on this whiteboard drawing a map and it's like a mountain and this weird castle and and, and he's drawing and he's drawing and he's drawing. And I finally look up like annoyed. It's like, oh, what are you drawing? What is it? What is this on the board? This doesn't look like AP calculus. And he goes, oh, I'm drawing this map for a game that I'm running. Now, again, black female inner city school. I have no idea what quote unquote a game is at this point. I was like, I don't, I don't understand what that means. So what are you, what are you drawing? And he, they, he and his table were playing guys, uh, advanced Dungeons and Dragons. So the Thacko days. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, well, we have this swashbuckler. His name is blah, blah, blah. And we have this fighter and he does this. And this princess is in this tower and there's this dragon and blah, 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 blah. And as he's telling me the story, like I'm sitting up in my chair looking at him like, this is super fascinating. So the very next week, I did not get put into detention. Don't even give me that face, Steve. I can see you over there in the corner. Don't look at me like that. Um, <laughs> I did not get put into detention, but I went back to his classroom. I was like, hey, what happened with the princess and the dragon and the weird thing with the game? He's like, oh, the princess died. The dragon got away. And I was like, no, what? And what? And so every single week I would go back again and again and again and get the update on this story they were telling. And then one day, Steve and Steve, he actually invited me to play that was a thing because I'm what 15 16 years old um I'm gonna be in a basement with four other white guys until like one o'clock in the morning this guy is my teacher so he had to have a conversation with my parents I'm like hey her grades can't slip or I will kick her out of this game also the school administration can never know and do you agree and here are the safety things we're gonna have in check and she said yes and he said yes and that's how I started gaming guys in the basement of my AP calculus teacher's house wow yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's how I got introduced into the hobby. Thank God for that man taking a chance on me because uh, I can't imagine my adulthood being as fulfilling and as amazing as it is right now without gaming. And it's something I had never been exposed to prior. That's cool. Yeah. See, like for me, I, well, I was my freshman year of college and make a long story really, really short. Friend that lived down the hall now listens to the podcast. He goes, Hey, we're playing Star Wars. Do you want to play with us? Like, huh? Well, okay, sure. So they hand me the character sheet for the Wookiee. And so I sat there and made bear noises and rolled dice. (laughs) 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 And this was your first time ever encountering an RPG. Yes. 
Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. So a couple months later, same friend is there's a like a call it a gaming club at the college. And um they meet up at the student union building on Saturdays to play well, some of them played whatever, but there's this big Call of Cthulhu game. Oh, okay. Okay. Sure, what the heck? So I go up to, and they're playing in what at this point was the OG Delta Green. Okay. Okay. Because this is 94. So it was fifth edition Call of Cthulhu playing as this kind of homebrew Delta Green thing that was completely bizarre and time travel. And we fought Daleks and the Predators and we would run into Mulder and Scully. Oh, my God. And oh, it was. Oh, my God. (laughs) But, you know, there's a long running campaign that had been going. And that's how I like it was. Months after that, before I ever played D&D for the first time. Huh. Okay. Interesting. And, and so, like, I don't know if for me, it just was like, that's how you play role-playing games. Is just all this weird, you know, freaky stuff. Yeah. Or, you know, like, but, and, and to me, I think, like, I've heard you talk about it some on, on Biscatonic U, where it's like, there's just a different mentality in horror gaming. Mm-hmm. And it's this... I, I don't know how to describe it because it's it's kind of like this, like you're, it's not that you're not attached to your character, but it's like, it's fun to see what happens when you make the suboptimal choice mm. and it feels good in a horror setting. Mm. Oh, I like that articulation. You know, like, like, yes, we know there's something weird making a noise in the bottom of this creepy old house and no one in their right mind would ever go check out that out, but what the heck? Let's see what it is. <laughs> Let's go to the basement and find out. But you know what? Like back to your example about horror movies, how boring would that be? It's like you got the six kids in the cabin and they hear some in the woods and they all go, nope. And they go home. Well, all right. Well, I guess that was a good two hours of my time. You know, it's just. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. you got to go for it. But like, I think there's something about that, that group of people sitting there and going, okay, let's do the thing. That's not the smartest and see what happens. Yeah. 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 Now, Steve, are you a fan of horror gaming? I am. Horror gaming? I, I, all of the above. Uh, okay. Horror, horror gaming, horror books. I actually shelved uh, a game because I creeped myself out too bad. Uh, oh, oh, wait. Uh, is that going to come at like the game shout out thing at the end? Or are you going to tell me what that is right now? No, no, no. I was working on a personal project. <gasps> and um, I started writing and I just I turned on some music. I, Got the mood set right in the room, and I just was like, "Yep, nope, I gotta stop. I don't like, oh. I don't like my headspace." You were like, "Nope, nope, I'm noping, <laughs> I'm noping yeah. out of my own writing project." <laughs> yep, I. Uh, but yeah, no, I. Uh, starting into RPGs, I never really had any experience with horror gaming. Like, I knew it okay. existed. Um, my crew was a strict D and D crew, but mm-hmm. we were all creative writing nerds, so it was it wasn't too far of a stretch to be like, yeah, we could easily take this and turn this into a horror game or we could play it, whatever. Yeah. Um, so when I heard a call of Cthulhu and stuff, I wasn't like shocked. I wasn't like, oh, I've never heard of such a thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, but yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I didn't really have much experience with playing horror games until sort of later in my gaming career. Okay. But okay. yeah. Is, is it your preferred genre right now? Just out of um, curiosity. No, like right now, I know I how mean, it's changed. Yeah, 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 I could, I get behind. I mean, I, I don't have a really preferred genre. I have my, okay. I, I, I have my like hard nose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh huh. I'm, I'm not a fantasy person, so if you tell me I have a fantasy game, I'm gonna be like, eh, hard no. Like hard. unless you got a really interesting pitch for it, you know, it's a hard no for me. Boundaries are important. I'm glad you need to know where yours are. You're like, no, I don't <laughs> enjoy that, so I don't play those. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, it's it's on the list of things that I enjoy and will play. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. I've got, got the it. Delta Green box set down here somewhere. Not the box set, but the slipcase. So that tells you enough there. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it Like you said, there, there's something almost freeing about it. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Every time we've played a horror game or I've played a horror game, I've had a good time. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say this much, at least with my experience from horror gaming. Again, this is coming from Bridget's experience. It is only worth as much as um, you can throw Bridget. 
but I feel like there are multiple subgenres when it comes to horror gaming, different directions you can choose, different um, things that might, you know, cleanse your palate or you might have a taste for. Horror is not a one size fits all genre when it comes to tabletop role playing games. Um, so my very first. Mm, so I can't tell that lie. So the first Call of Cthulhu game that I was mature enough to appreciate, let's say that way, uh, was at Origins. I don't know, X amount of years ago. And I never played Call of Cthulhu before, but I was there with Rogue Cthulhu. Um, you guys are in the area. Have you guys ever played with Rogue Cthulhu? Are you familiar with that group that used to exist? No. no. Okay. Although so, I know someone who used to be from the Columbus area, so I might be, but just not know them in that name. But just not know them by the name. So they're they're discontinued now, but back in the day, they used to put on, guys, something stupid, like 200 events at Origins. They had this big room that was all the lights were turned off and there was an inflatable Cthulhu and oh, wait, yeah, music. I think I've, I, I've heard of I've yes! heard of this. They yes. play under black lights. Yes. Is this yes. where the, the flashpot story comes from? The what story, baby? There was a, I, I heard this story years ago about somewhere at a convention. Somebody, some keeper had a flashpot hidden in the table. Oh, I've he, not heard did, this story. This did, could be rogue prior to me being there, but I haven't heard this story. The, so apparently he's having this in really intense conversation with this like massive star vampire or some demon or something. Okay. And so the, you know, keepers talking with this player, getting real tight, real soft, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And finally the player's like, nope, 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 nope. Not as in the player, but in character is saying, yeah. you know, no, 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 the deal. So the GM pushes back, steps up, stands up, yells, then die and trips this flash pot in the middle of the table. They said the player was halfway to the exit door before he realized what happened. Oh. <laughs> he said he got a standing God. ovation from the room. Oh, my God. Listen, that could have been rogue. It could not have been. But I really want a seat at that GM's table. <laughs> Ow. No, but that's actually pretty dope. That's pretty dope. Uh, yeah, so my um my first Call of Cthulhu game was with Rogue Cthulhu at Origins. And... It kind of pushed my wig back in multiple ways because I sat down at the table and I, I'm again, I'm coming from a, a D&D background and at that time, maybe uh, 3.5 background. So I'm used to crunch and let's worry about the area of effect and do I have line of sight and what feet can do this. And I sit down with this character sheet and they're just like, all right, just roll low. I'm just like, what? But what if I just roll low? Oh, okay. And don't worry about combat. If you have to fight something in this game, you're probably going to die. What? What, what am I... <laughs> What am I doing here? And I'm playing this game. I'm playing this game. It's 1920s. Um, and I'm I'm playing the game to the best of my ability. I'm still a younger role player at this point. And two of the characters started crying at the table, guys. No BS. Real tears running down their face. They start crying in character. And I'm sitting in my chair like, are these people really crying? They're they're actually crying. Oh my God, there are two people. And then that boiled over into this massive argument. Again, this is all in character. The keeper was in complete control the entire time. This massive argument broke out and three of the six people stood up from the table and they were pointing at each other and they were yelling at each other. And mind you, I had never even seen a LARP at this point. I'm coming <laughs> from a 3.5, uh, some razzle-dazzle AD&D background. And I'm watching this role play and I'm just like, who are these people? Do all people who play Call of Cthulhu run games like this? Because I could get into this. Is this a horror thing? Or is this a is this a system thing? So, of course, after the game was over, I'm asking for everyone's email addresses uh, at the time so I can stay in contact with everybody because I'm trying to figure out how do I get more of this? How do I get more of that degree of immersion and that degree of passion and that just degree of performance? And of course, the very next time I went to a con, I looked up Rogue Cthulhu and it was just Call of Cthulhu was just a standard. You get into those games, you get completely immersed. The horror is real. The entertainment is real. And I was like, OK, so Call of Cthulhu and Rogue Cthulhu definitely does this. Does this happen in other systems? Yep. Same thing in Dread. Cthulhu Dark? Yep. Same thing over there. Alien the RPG? Yep. Same. So it's just one of those things. Once I got into that performative theatrical version of role playing. I was like, oh, this is this is where my people are and this is where I want to stay. And that's where I am. I don't blame you. That's why I play with theater kids. Yes. Because <laughs> they bring the boom. Yeah. I uh, I have a I have a couple friends that are in local theater and I'm always like, 
hey, uh, you know, in the off season when you guys are really not doing any plays or musicals, why don't you invite your friends over to play RPGs? Yeah. And we've done it a bunch, and it's always a great time because you play something super, well, like Call of Cthulhu. That's yeah. Rule, that's like, not necessarily rules light, but role play heavy. Role play heavy, yep. And and you do anything that's role play heavy with the with you know anybody that's got some theatrics to them, and it's a fantastic yeah. time. I am so jealous that you have that well tapped over there. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I just happened to luck into that because it's like we have uh, about four or five little community theaters. Okay. That that my friends rotate through just <laughs> on a constant basis, and they're like, hey, yeah. oh, "Hey, I met this person. They're into. They're interested in tabletop." I'm like, "All right." Let's get a game. <laughs> Come to me. <laughs> yeah. No, it's interesting, though, that you were mentioning about the system, which reminds me of, I don't know, was it the first time you'd ever actually played uh, Call of Cthulhu Derivative when you played Delta Green with me, Steve? Yes. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think. I think is the answer to that. I think. <laughs> like maybe. I don't think I had run Call of Cthulhu for my friends before that, but I know I had read it. Because mm -hmm. I remember you telling me you were like, the system is so like simple and it's there when you need it, but otherwise it just stays over there in the corner. Well, I, I know when you ran Delta Green for me, that was a whole turning point in my entire gaming career. Wow. Because that was that was me realizing my absolute love of narrative heavy games. Yeah. And yeah. all I ran was need to know. And well, that was just me realizing that, okay, yeah, no, uh, I like crunchy stuff, but I don't like the effort it takes to learn crunchy stuff. So I'm going to go stick with my narrative games over here. Yeah. Now, let me ask you a question, Bridget, just, mm -hmm. and, and I know from my own knowledge of games that most good horror games tend to be on the lighter side of the rules. Do you think that, facilitates that added role play that people tend to get into because we're not worrying about well this many you know this many squares of effect and and all that and we're just going with let's do this and then this happens and we react to that do you think that so to speak the rules being lighter makes people play role play more oh just spaghetti at the wall spotlight on me in this moment as of where I stand today, yeah, I'm going to say when you are lighter on the rules, you can invest more time, more energy, and more effort into other things, which typically channels into those shared narratives, high role play type of games. Um, so this is something that I'm discovering as I go through my horror Rolodex and systems. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, the majority of them, Steve, you're absolutely right, are tend to be on the more rules light side. One of my favorite horror um, role-playing games of all time is written by Graham Walmsley. It's Cthulhu Dark. You get 3D6 and the rules fit, I kid you not, on the back of an index card. That's not me being funny. Those are all the rules you need. You rock out from there. And it's one of my favorite uh, role-playing games just because it is so rules-like where you can focus on other things. I think, Bridget, crunch is distracting to horror. If I have to spend 20 minutes trying to figure out what my combat action is going to be, if I'm rolling 20d6 worth of fireball, do I have line of sight, area of effect, blah, blah, defeat, the blah, blah. Well, at this point, I'm doing math. I'm not actually enjoying the game. And I'm saying that as Bridget, because some people enjoy that. There are so many different facets to role-playing games. Some people, they're there for 100% building out miniatures. Some people are there for the cartography. Some people are there for the math. Some people are there for the role-play. Some people are there to be rules lawyers. There's no wrong way to game. You live your truth the way you want to go after it. But Bridget, in her experience with horror, yes, Steve, you're 100% correct. The lighter the rules, the heavier the role play, in my experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and, and the other thing that I, I do think you brought up very validly, and I'd like to maybe circle back around to it as a, as mm -hmm. a point, is that there, there are a lot of different kind of, if you will, subgenres yeah. within horror gaming. You know, you've got your classic Cthulhu, which for lack of a, to me yes well i know it's based in the lovecraftian mythos whatever blah 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 mm -hmm. call of cthulhu is weird crap investigations got it yeah i can <laughs> yeah i can get behind that <laughs> like i don't really care about lovecraft and whatever it's just weird stuff and you're investigating it but then you have games like cult mm -hmm. which is a whole different 
ballpark of, I mean, cult is this weird, it, I guess you could still call it cosmic in a way, but it's, it's much different. And I don't even know how to describe it properly. Yeah, th this is okay. So this is my spaghetti at the wall with cult, um, which I am not fluent enough in the rules to stand by this, but just from kind of like the story cult is kind of like the matrix. You're plugged in and you're just dialed into this fantasy because these creatures, these entities, these gods, this pantheon needs you plugged in in compliance. But if you're able to unplug yourself and see what's really going on, brace yourself. <laughs> because Dear God is a downward spiral from there. Cult is unapologetic. They rolled out with their own pantheon. Uh, it's powered by the apocalypse. So it's just 2D10 plus your whatever. And it's dark. And it's visceral. And... I'm going to say the word again because it's probably the best one I can think of at the moment. It is unapologetic in its approach to horror. Cult is one of those games you sit down and be like, all right, guys, let's talk safety tools right now. Yeah. Because Cult has the potential to go where a lot of games won't. Yeah, I've called Cult um, Religious Trauma the RPG. Religious Trauma <coughs> the RPG. <laughs> Do actually like that analogy of it being like a supernatural matrix. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that that's is very basically good. what it is. Yep. If you awaken, if you see behind the veil, if you get woken up, good luck, buddy. <laughs> uh, I, I think that's a freaking cool game. Yeah, I love Colt. I like Colt a lot. I'm actually playing it next week. I'm actually really excited about it. Uh, someone's going to run it for me instead of story facing. They're going to be very intentional by request to have it rules facing because I'm not super fluent with Power by the Apocalypse. And I really want to start running Colt on stream. Oh, I could okay. run it without the rules and be completely fine, but I really want to get it right to do it justice to the system. Yeah, that's that's how I feel about a lot of things. It's like, mm -hmm. I want to make sure that I got the rules down hard on this before I start really delving deep into it. Yeah. Especially if you're doing it on a stream or, or more than just around a table with your friends. Correct. You know, there's that, that pressure there that like, and I look, I've said it on the show, you know, if you're having a good time with it, you're not doing it wrong. Amen. No, Amen. but there is, there is a little bit of that, like, uh, I don't want to get letters saying I'm playing this wrong. <laughs> yeah, you've got that. And something, you know, you can't please everybody. People are no, sure. no, 2022. But... <laughs> um, the other thing with Colt, mechanically, their moves and their responses are very narrative heavy. So because mm -hmm. of that reason, I want to have the mechanics down because the actions are kind of like, have you guys played uh, Alien, the RPG? Not yet. Just okay. read through it. Okay, it's another one of my favorite systems. So um, one of the things that the system does is the mechanics are tied directly into the narrative. So for example, let's say you're facing off with a xenomorph. First and foremost, I don't choose the xenomorph's actions. I roll for them randomly. I roll a d6. And my options could be I pick you up and I drag you into another room. It could be I stare at you and your eyes go into the abyss as you're looking at my like eyeless, banana-shaped xenomorph face. Uh, my pharyngeal jaw could detach and I go through the back of your skull. It's all rolled randomly. And uh, one, it takes so much pressure off of me as a mother. That's the keeper. That's the GM in their system. Mm -hmm. um, but two, it has all this flavor text. It's super sex. It's just not I run down the hallway and I attack the guy. Nah, I'm uh. going to separate you from your loved one or we're going to pull you up into the ceiling or you're going to stare into my eyes. There's flavor text with the mechanics that really just build out the narrative. And Colt does that, too, with their moves. I just need to learn those damn moves. <laughs> yeah, you know, but like, OK, so, yeah, you've got Alien there, which I it's been on my list of things I'm curious about. I almost bought it about a month ago, except that the copy of the core book sold out. So I think I bought Eclipse Phase instead. Ah, um, OK. <laughs> and then but then, you know, so you've got that. But it's it's much more of a. Well, it's based on the films, right? It's mm -hmm. action horror. Then you've got stuff like Bluebeard's Bride. Oh, Jesus. Or, yeah. Um, <laughs> what was the other game I was just thinking of? And now it's lost slipped my mind. But, uh, you know, Bluebeard's Bride is, uh, would you call that folk horror in a weird way? Fairy tale horror? Ooh. Bluebeard's Bride, in my opinion, is feminine horror. And she wrote that book to do just that. Listen, I don't play Bluebeard, Bluebeard's Bride anymore. I won't play it. I won't run it. I don't have anything. The book is gorgeous. It's one of the, aesthetically one of the most beautiful books I've ever seen in my life. What she did with the book was bold and brave and unapologetic and gorgeous. That ain't for me anymore, homie. I am good. I've done my three runs of Bluebeard Bride. Y'all can have it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. Now I want to know what the other game I was thinking of is. I don't know. Monster Red? Hearts? Oh, Monster Hearts. That might be it. 
That wasn't it, but that's an, an, again, that's very different. Yeah, that's sex and horror. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I'm trying to read your mind, Steve. I'm plugging into the Steve. <laughs> Dread. That's a scary thing to do. Dread is interesting. I I I'd like to play Dread, although Dread I think is much more of a mechanic tacked onto a communal storytelling. I can stand behind you on that hill as well. <laughs> You know, like, like, I think it's a fabulous thing for what it is, mm-hmm. but it, it is, to me, is very much a one-shot party game, if you will. For sure. One-shot con game, one-shot party game. Ten Candles? I'm trying, baby. I'm trying. Oh, that's another one. Uh, again, I'm curious about it, but I actually reached out to try and get them on this month, but they never responded to me. Uh, guys, guys, come on. The Steves and oh. I want to speak to you. Oh, let's just go on to something else. And no worries, no worries. It'll come back to you like after we finish recording mm-hmm. three days from now. You'll hit me up mm-hmm. on Discord. Ah, it was yeah, this. Yeah, I'll message you at four thirty in the morning. Be like, <laughs> it was this. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, bring it back in post. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's it, there is there's so much different stuff, and and well, you have stuff like Vazen, which is yep Celtic folk horror. Yep. You have to go back to the Free League well, which I know is a sore spot for you. But anyway, I hate you. <laughs> Steve, I don't know if you know this, but Free League has my credit card information on file. I've been tricking <laughs> off so much money to Free League. Like at this point, I should invest in Free League stock. They should be throwing my birthday parties. I should have a, a chair at the boardroom. It's ridiculous. Free League and I are just, it's unfair. They have so much of my money. I hate them. Well, I have I have Mutineer Zero. Okay. And I have the T2K box. Okay. And well, it's only Free League adjacent, I'm waiting for Cyborg and Morkborg to get here. Got it. Got it. Babe, we need to get... I'll run Alien for you. How about that? Let's schedule mm-hmm. a time and I'll run mm-hmm. Alien for the Steves. There you go. Let, oh, yes. We got that the players. I'm, I can get... We got players. Don't worry about oh, that. Oh, baby. Don't threaten me with a good time. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Come on. <laughs> Let's go. Let me ask you this. Since you're, you're, you're a horror RPG buff, what's your favorite, I'll call it, like, gimmick horror game? right? Like Dread, Ten Candles, like not to diminish those in any way. They're legitimate games and they're great, yeah. but I they have a gimmick to them. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Baby, I'm going to have to go with Dread. Dread, 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 listen, Dread is so sexy to me. So, um, yes, Steve, you're 100% right. I, I cannot imagine running a campaign off of Dread. It's not, it's, it's not feasible to me. Somebody else listening to your podcast is going to send in a comment, I've been running Dread for seven years. Anyways, <laughs> I just can't imagine putting a Jenga tower back in a box. (laughs) How are you keeping it? Is it under like one of the Beauty and the Beast rose glasses? Anyways, so the two major things that I rock with when it comes to Dread. uh, One, the character building. Are you guys familiar with how to build characters out in Dread? Not at all. Okay, so because all of your mechanics are run through the Jenga tower, it is a questionnaire for your character sheet. So you get a, a front and back sheet of paper with 12 questions. The 13th question is being, what is your character's name? And like, let's say I was running Dread Eyes right now. I'm just going to toggle back and forth to you guys. Uh, we're running a Dread game. Uh, editing, Steve. Give me a location where we are. Anywhere. I don't care. Uh, some little hunting camp out in the middle of nowhere. Okay. Hunting camp in the middle of nowhere. Uh, non-editing Steve. Steve, who is the cool one. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that one. <laughs> Give me also, like old Steve and young Steve, old Steve and young Steve. So young Steve, young Steve, give me just in general who your characters are at this old hunting cabin. Um, we'll say ghost hunters. OK, so you're ghost hunters at this 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 old lodging hunting cabin where something bad happened. So I'm going to do one character sheet build out for you guys. You guys are playing the same character. So old Steve, the very first question on the questionnaire might be this. Why do you have a 13 year old kid in your basement tied up? <laughs> You can go anywhere you want with that. And I know your audience is PG-13s, and we wouldn't go there anyways, but you can do anything random. It was your niece, and she thought it was a fun game. I don't care. (laughs) Yeah, I'll go Walter White. He walked in on my meth operation. Okay. So this 13-year-old kid is tied up in your basement right now at home, wherever it is you live, because they walked into your meth operations. So, young Steve, this is the same questionnaire. Which of the three animals is your favorite pet and why? You really uh, want me to believe you didn't make that question up? <laughs> <laughs> Hit me, young Steve. Out of your, that's what that's all the question says. Of your three pets, which one is your favorite and why? Uh, okay, I'm gonna say um, my Norwegian forest cat, Fluffy. 
Okay, your Norwegian <laughs> forest cat Fluffy. Okay, um, so your Norwegian forest cat Fluffy is probably at home sniffing around at the basement door trying to figure out why there's a 13-year-old girl down there. We'll get back to that later. Question number four, this will be the last round. Old Steve, what song can you play again and again on the radio that brings you joy? Walk by Pantera. Okay, Walk by Pantera. And then I will hop back over to uh, young Steve. This is question four on the sheet. Um, why did you used to lock your sister in a closet where she was screaming and crying on the other side of the door for hours? Because she would erase my save my save game in Mario or not Mario, but she would erase my save game and pick a video game. Okay. Okay. You guys will go through another X amount of questions. Your last character question would be, what's your name? That's how you create a dread character. That's so cool, I, man. It's so dope. So I, as a GM, would pick up that character and go, okay, this character's name is Steve. They're really in love with this cat, this Norwegian forest cat. They're on their way to the forest. There's a 13-year-old girl in their basement right now that they need to address. This song is playing on the radio because Steve is probably thinking about that girl. You arrive at the hunting lodge. Um, Steve, your phone rings. And it's your uh, wife. And she goes, hi, honey, I'm back early from vacation. I'm on my way home now. Uh, do you want me to pick up anything from the store? You're two hours away. She's getting ready to walk in on that 13-year-old girl. What do you do? Dang. Uh -huh. Yeah, I like that. All right. Yeah. yeah okay. And, and so let's say your answer is, I'm going to try to convince her to go stay with her mother's for the weekend. I'd be like, great. Get up out of your chair. Come over to this Jenga tower. And you need to pull me one or two blocks if the Django tire falls, not only do you fail, but you're removed from the game. If you can get two of these blocks off, you can convince your wife to go stay with her mothers. That's dread. Yep. Yeah, I got a buddy that's been running me to run this. I'm running this. Oh, <laughs> baby, listen. Um, those are the rules. Create your character sheets, come up with some story, and stress your players out in and out of game by making them pull Jenga blocks. Because it <laughs> is so fun watching the sweat drip off of these people and watching their hands shake as they're moving towards the tower because they know if they knock over that tower, they're removed from the game and dead. <laughs> Gimmick-wise, if you want to see me stressed out as a player or a GM, put me in front of a Jenga tower and let's go. <laughs> Yeah, no, I like. Sorry that. if that took forever. No, oh, no, that's cool. That's good. I, I had see my experience with Dread as far as actually playing or hearing it was only the uh, James D'Amato did a thing with it on one shot a couple years ago, but it was much seemed to be at least in my memory much you know like they didn't go into all that with the character creation. Oh, that's like one of the best parts of the game. If you play Dread at a convention, you spend the first thirty minutes making your character. No, that's, yeah, wow, that gets intense. Yo, oh, like, yeah. You know, a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. And it's nice because you don't have a pre-gen. You kind of do because when I build out those 13 questions, I'm being very intentional about guiding you in a certain direction. Mm -hmm. But other than that, guys, it's your character. You know them better than I do. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to, we do a thing just so everyone kind of understands with uh, our Patreon subscribers where we post a little bit in advance about who we're going to talk to and what we're talking about and let them submit questions. And just because of the nature of these, I'm going to sprinkle a couple of them in through the show here, but. Oh, backer questions. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So one of them was just, you know, and I, I, I have a guess here, but what is your favorite type of horror? Like is, you know, slasher, psychological jump scares. Where, where do you find the most enjoyment? think you know can i ask you to guess first just out of curiosity i know that's a weird thing to put you on the spot for if you had to guess what would you think my favorite subgenre of horror is based on what i've heard you say in the last half hour i'm guessing psychological steve you had to throw spaghetti at the wall and guess what do you think um i don't know based on what i've heard you say so far i'm i'm guessing cosmic oh uh, Cosmic is probably my second favorite just because okay. i absolutely love bouncing around and call it cthulhu no it's psychological and emotional horror that okay. is my happy place. Make me care and then take it away from me and okay. see how hard I'll fight to get it back. It's fair. That's a great question, by the way. Go backer. Well, and I, I like the idea, too. And, and for me, one of the things and, and OK, the, the Delta Green scenario I ran with Steve that we mm -hmm. talked about a little bit ago. I ran just the, the basic starter scenario. Need to know. OK, well, because of where I grew up, which was, well, from where you're from, you know, somewhere between Zanesville and Columbus, 
Okay. So we're <laughs> talking about rural, Columbus, rural Ohio. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, see, I grew up in North Central Pennsylvania. So gotcha. <laughs> I set the, you know, and minor spoiler here, but I sent the, set the cabin up in this little town that's 40 minutes from where I grew up, where I know damn well there's nothing but trees and cell phones don't work mm-hmm. and whatever. And we had this one person playing with us. And even though we were only playing over Discord voice, no cameras, no nothing, I could tell just that was unsettling this player. Oh, yeah. The isolation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, okay, so let's just, you know, kind of nudge into that. Not not hit them hard with it, but. Yeah. But just and, you know, lean into that thing that's just got them on edge. Yeah. Yeah. What makes people squirm? What are they actually afraid of? What makes their characters squirm? And what are their characters afraid of? Isolation is nine out of ten times an easy way to go when you go to horror. Cut them off from resources, put them in the dark, or even if you don't put them in the dark, put them where they can't get help. And what do they do? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's that's half of it, though, right? Like you see, effectively, you're making them desperate, Mm -hmm. and they're the only ones that can do anything. Yeah, yeah. And what do you do when you're powerless, but you have to be in power to survive? Where does that line move for you? Mm -hmm. And like some of it with the isolation, again, you know, I think some of it is we're all so used to being connected. Yep. Now you're not. And that I think for some people, like for me, sometimes, yes, it could be stressful. It'll also be, hey, that stupid thing isn't making any noise. Yeah. But, you know, that is, and I think for me, at least, if I'm GMing, that's the kind of stuff I watch for. Like, what is is making this player tick? Uh huh. And then just kind of poke at it. I don't want to just you know hammer them. Yeah. Because to me that that's and you know safety is such a big thing with horror, right? So you don't want to just beat them over the head with it, but just kind of poke at that and keep them on edge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you hit a really important hammer or a really important nail right there, which is don't like beat the horror into players. Um, so no BS. This is to be honest with God truth. If I have to look back on like the top 10 times uh, I was playing a game and the GM had me like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I was playing Hope's Last Day, which is the standard scenario that's in the back of the Alien RPG book. It's like the the, the game most people play when they get introduced into um uh alien the rpg and this isn't a spoiler but you your party is outside of a colonial compound lv426 for all you alien fans and you go inside and things are weird uh there's no one around and you don't know why and you're going from room to room investigating trying to figure out where the entire staff is the crew is things of that nature bam you've got your isolation right there everyone knows the line in space no one can hear you scream the isolation is there the tension is real just like that player that was in the woods uh, in your Delta Green game, you're like, you're alone, you're cut off, where is everyone, something is weird. Let me, John Hook did this to me. It's one of my top 10 most horrific moments. We were hyper-focused on this keypad on the wall that instead of connecting us to another person, there goes your statement about interconnectivity again, all we were getting was static and the sound of maybe a distant gunshot and then this scream. And then the intercom went off. And John goes, and as soon as the intercon goes off in the room next door to you, you hear our cabinet tip over. Guys, I almost got up from the damn table. I was like, this is enough. No, no, no. <laughs> it was str- John Hook got me with a cabinet tipping over because the tension had been built so strong on the front end that I couldn't reconcile that there was something in the room next to me at all. Tension terror that was not me being beat over the head that wasn't a face hugger jumped out of a, a, a vent shaft and smacked me in the face it was a cabinet a, you know, a cabinet <laughs> but that's a very that's a very alien moment though like yeah. also also like not to not to you know devalue your experience but that type of moment where it's just this you know the the half second of silence is interrupted by a, yeah. a jump, a noise. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Yeah. And when you're dialed in and you're plugged in and you're invested, mm-hmm. we were also focused on trying to get a voice from an intercom. The scream, the static was unsettling. I could not handle the damn cabinet dropping over. <laughs> that was, that was it for me. 
Yeah, I had a, a, a couple players absolutely climbing up a wall. Oh, God. We we were, well, I sort of lured them in with, with Hokey Call of Cthulhu. We were playing like old school Call of Cthulhu, right? Okay, okay. And so it was like the standard 1930s, you know, very ha call of cthulhu um <laughs> can i get that can i get that effect again <laughs> <laughs> but anyways i'll cut that out and mail it to you <laughs> please i need overnight it for me that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> but you know you know what i'm talking about right like i the, do i'm right the, there with you and and i lured them in with that very hokey story i'm like okay well yeah you're going to your you know this is this is your rich uncle's house. He's having a big party. <laughs> yep. You know, everybody's all dressed up. There's monocles abound, right? Like <laughs> and and they were in for they were in for camp. And when they got there, I served them one of one Uh-oh. of like the darkest stories I could have, knowing oh. the table and knowing what I could get away with. Uh-huh. And completely threw them off guard. Like one thousand percent, they were like, oh, "I was in for camp. I didn't expect this to go this way." <laughs> like I, I had one of my players have to be like, "I gotta, I gotta walk." Not, not in a bad way. He's like, "I gotta get up and walk around like the actual house because, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I can't, I can't. I, this is, this is like not what I expected." <laughs> you had his nervous system so triggered as a player that he needed to find a way to alleviate that. Yep. Yeah, and that's. That's yeah, I love horror. I, I really do. It's such a it's great good, it's good stuff. It really is. Yeah. Congratulations on getting that across, by the way. Oh, Talk about I, sticking the landing as a keeper. I was worried for a second. I was like, oh man, I don't think this is gonna stick. Cause I had I had planned it all out. And I don't normally I'm not one to plan campaigns to a T. Yeah. But I had planned this one out pretty heavily for me. And I I, I sat down and I was like, okay, I'm gonna spell it out the best way I can. And then everything's uh-huh. just going to go dark and we're just going to commit to the bit and hopefully they get there. And apparently and I did. did it good enough. Yeah. You had somebody needed to go walk around to cool off their nervous system. That is sexy. Yeah. I think we're, we're touching into another um, kind of one of our Patreon questions here. And that was Ooh. about how do you build eerie narratives? And I think, you know, we're, we're kind of all, swirling around this and i think Mm -hmm. a point to be made here well two maybe one is that going where we were talking about the hammer is yeah you can't just keep going or it loses its effect you've got to kind of have as ken height calls it that roller coaster but that yeah it can't all be intense you have to have those moments where it dips and or you know it, it slows down and like like you said you with john running that alien scenario where mm hmm you're all tight in listening to this intercom and it's kind of this quiet focused moment. And then you've got this big crash. Yeah. And and so it's that, that seesaw that, you know, up and down. And I think that to me is kind of the key is, is using those waves, if you will, but also not letting them get predictable. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. No, I think keep going. You're sticking all the landings, in my opinion. <laughs> You're on fire. You know, so like and, and and then occasionally, too, like for me, I'll throw in that little jump scare. That's something mundane. Yeah. But because they're, you know, they're on that roller coaster, mm-hmm. they're expecting something. And so even though it's a cat making noise underneath the trailer or a raccoon. Yeah. Or a swarm of bees in an outhouse. <laughs> I did that too. Oh, he sounds real upset about that, Steve. You want you y'all want to talk about it? <laughs> I wasn't the player. I, that's the worst part about that. I wasn't the player that had to experience it. <laughs> but I think too, and and you mentioning the 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 cabinet getting knocked over, mm-hmm. also to me brings up, at least for me, one of the tools that I go to is sometimes the thing that isn't seen is the scariest. For sure. You know, and and sometimes the the horror is better driven home by leaving it up to the player's imagination. And uh, Steve wasn't in in this version of of. Are you familiar with the need to know scenario from Delta Green at all? No, I'm not. I haven't played it. Haven't played okay. it. Haven't read it. Okay. So without spoiling it. Okay. Let's just say comedy of poor decisions. 
the PCs decide to investigate this thing in the middle of the night. Okay. Now, they're outside in the middle of nowhere. There's this hole in the ground with a lid on it. <laughs> so, to, to, to again, not to spoil anything, but one of them is trying to dump gasoline on it to probably light it on fire. Of course. Another one doubt. is trying to open it and let the, the uh, thing out. Okay. So they let the thing out. Then all hell breaks loose. Again, this is middle of nowhere, dead of night, and automatic weapons get involved. Okay. Now, if someone rolls a fumble where there's concrete, automatic weapons, and gas fumes around. Oh, God. <laughs> Good times. So I just went, and we were right, like, we were actually past time where I'd wanted to wrap it up. So I just went, so it's just big flash, and everything goes black. And just oh, wrap way it. to leave them hanging. <laughs> way to leave them hanging. They're sitting around the table. Thirsty as all get out. Yes. You know, and I didn't actually tell them anything that happened. Their imaginations were enough. <laughs> but, but you know, like you see this spark and the splash starts to grow and that's it. Yeah. 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 Uh, balance in all things, guys. Um, you can't pound people over the head with horror. It desensitizes them. And then it's not in one, it's not enjoyable. And then two, it's just annoying. I think something that you touched on, Steve, uh, that's really important is the difference between terror and horror. If you're dealing with horror, horror can be body horror. I could describe a body in the most ridiculous position or with things showing that shouldn't be showing. And you're creep, you know, you're creeped out. You're grossed out. You're like, oh, God, I hate it. I can do psychological horror. I can pull things from your backstory and bring them out in public to make you feel embarrassment. Embarrassment is horrifying. I can pull out things from your backstory and make you feel heartbreak. Like um, you're on the phone with your kid and suddenly you hear them scream. There's a screech of tires, a bump, and then suddenly the phone goes dead. Like I can torture you with horror psychologically. There are different ways you can do horror. Terror on the other side, is defined as a feeling of dread or anticipation that precedes a horrific experience. I think if you're going to run horror well, and if you're if you're running it for the first time, or even if you're a veteran, there's always new things you learn about yourself. There's new things you learn about the content. There's new things you learn about your player. But I think downtime backslash safety is really important, not only to allow the players to recover, but for the investigators, the characters, whatever they're called, and whatever system you're playing, uh, a moment to breathe. Um, that's important for everyone's nervous systems, but also it makes the terror and the horror that much more profound when they encounter it. You can string somebody along an entire campaign on just terror, because like you already said, Steve, somebody else's imagination will run to the races. Like, there's nothing horrific about me talking to an intercom and hearing a cabinet drop behind me. What got me? The terror, the anticipation of we can't get anybody on the radio what just knocked over that cabinet. And then, of course, depending on where your table is, whatever your palette chooses, there's all type of horrors that you can explore, too. But I think a good balance between all three of those, safety, terror, and horror, make an overall nice, neat package of a horror role-playing experience. Very well said. Thank you, baby. <laughs> It's almost like I do this sometimes. <laughs> Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Every once in a while. Oh, man. Well. Yeah, so do oh, you have no, any more uh, kind of tidbits there? I know we kind of answered the, our questions ourselves. Do you have anything to add to that other than what you just said about the balance? Yeah. Uh, this is from the direction of um, like telling good horror stories. Yeah. Yeah, I will say even more than the um, little rant I just went on about, you know, safety, terror, and horror, communication is going to save you so much time, guys. Please communicate. Articulate your communications or articulate your expectations to the table on the front end. It can save you a lot of time. Some people love Scooby-Doo horror. That's what they do. That's what they love. They run from the ghost that goes from room to room and you pull off the mask and you go, those darn kids and everyone is happy. But if I sit down at a table and I'm expecting this dark, brooding, visceral, angry game and all my players are on Scooby-Doo frequency, I'm going to be frustrated. I'm going to be frustrated. I'm going to be annoyed and I'm not going to want to play anymore because I'm not having fun. Whose fault is that? It's my fault because I didn't sit down and say, hey, guys, Steve and Steve, we're getting ready to play Alien. This game I wrote is like emotional horror and it's like just psychologically damaging. And this game plays well if you guys dial in 10 out of 10, really invest into your backstories. And this is how this story goes well. 
that optimizes my chances of all of us experiencing a game that I'm trying to present and that we're trying to tell together. So when it comes to horror, safety tools, 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 do the remix, safety tools, safety tools, and communication on the front end about what the expectations are of the game. So one final Patreon question. Safety tools. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) What was your favorite Halloween costume as a kid? I love this backer. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll, We'll get them to play Alien with us. Oh, bring them, bring them, bring them, bring them, bring them. All right, babe, no joke. I'll see if I can send Steve and Steve a photo of this. I'm sure my mom has it somewhere. Um, I wore this costume, I think, let's say, third grade, fourth grade, and fifth grade. It was a werewolf mask with, like, the teeth and the blood and the tongue hanging out and the scraggly hair, wearing a cap and gown that my brother had graduated high school from the year before. It was a werewolf getting a diploma. It was my favorite Halloween costume. Basically, werewolf like, mask with an yeah. oversized gown and a graduation cap. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Teen nice. wolf vibes. <laughs> yeah. And go figure. I work with dogs for a living now. <laughs> uh, surprised mine hasn't made an appearance. What type of baby do you have? Uh, she's a 12 year old shepherd collie shelter mix. Oh, bless the baby's heart. And she's 12? Yep. What's she weighing in at right now as a shepherd collie? Um, well, she's getting a bit thick in her old age. She's probably up to about 75 now. I was about to say, aren't we all? Uh, 75 pounds at 12 years is actually really impressive, baby. God bless that puppers. Because most of, most of, you know, up until she was about 10, she was probably around 55 to 60. Yeah. Listen, you get older and you slow down. Stuff happens. <laughs> but it's her house. We just live here. Of course. Wait, 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 Steve. You got a dog too. What are we doing? Yeah, what? yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't hear him. He was out. He was just outside. Came back in. He's no. a little uh, Yorkie Shizu mix. Oh, I thought Yorkie Shizu. What's the baby's name? Uh, Benji. Benji. Oh, we can stop talking about horror. We're talking about dogs now. <laughs> I got a picture of him right we here. You do have a pet channel on the Discord. Yes, oh, we do. I will drop mine in there. I have three. <laughs> I have a, a husky mix named Sony. She's mommy's asshole. Uh, I have a French bulldog named Zoe, and I have a Bernese mountain dog named Gabriel. I'll post a picture in the Pet Picks channel. Some compressive size range there, too. Yeah, it's a small, medium, and extra, extra large. I'm I'm trying to work over my girlfriend to get a um, golden doodle. Oh, like, man. <laughs> like, because I... Well, I grew up with big dogs. I always yeah. had labs and, and my grandfather always had German shepherds and and my parents have um they're mini poodles, but they're you know, mini poodles is a loaded term. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I remember the one that my neighbors had, it was this little asshole that would always hide under the chair and bark at you. Uh, I, <laughs> the best dog I ever had was a is is she's still alive. She is a um She's a mutt, but she's clearly like golden and and poodle. And I'm like, we gotta get. I want to get a golden doodle. And she's like, I I don't want a big dog. I'm like, well, it's a uh, mini golden doodle. <laughs> um, I, listen, we we'll talk breeds afterwards. Holler at your girl. Literally, I work at yeah. animal services. Holler at your girl. Oh, nice. Uh, but I will throw this at you. If you want the best of both worlds, get a cavapoo. She gets oh, yeah? a small dog. You still get the the Cavalier Doodle mix, and Cavapoos walk on water. They're like one of the best breeds ever. Oh, that's sweet. I'll, so, I'll yeah. look into Cavapoos. But yeah. So with all that being said, right? Uh, sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. Hey, anything you want to plug? You know, a show you want to? You know, anything? Anything you got that you would like to plug for yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing the plug section right now. Yeah, let's plug away. Uh, if you would like to hang out with me, um hang out or engage with my content or join in our stream. Symphony Entertainment did launch a Twitch channel that is rocking and rolling right now. That is twitch.tv forward slash Symphony Entertainment, or you can connect with me at symphonyentertainment.com. If you honestly are looking at publishing for 7th edition Call of Cthulhu or RuneQuest or 7th C, uh, feel free to email me. And this isn't like one of those weird, like, you can email me and then I don't actually want you to. No, I, I genuinely want you to email me. Chaosium has me on payroll to help creators publish your content. So if you're looking to publish one of those three systems, feel free to email me at Bridget at Chaosium.com. That is a bridge that you walk across with two T's at Chaosium.com. Uh, of course, you can always hear me over at the Miskatonic University podcast where I am a co-host. And the last plug I'll do is 
I have been spending an awfully lot of time with our friends over at the Old Ways podcast. Uh, they are running a Vampire the Masquerade. There's a horror system we didn't talk about. Uh, they are running a Vampire the Masquerade uh, campaign. And I just joined in a season two full-time character. So uh, feel free to check me out over there as well. I think that's Very me all cool. plugged out. Awesome. <laughs> well, and with that, we'll move into our final segment of the night, which is Game of the Week. Oh, Game of the Week. Game of the Week. Game of the Week. So uh, who's going first? You or me, I can Steve. go first. I have we'll a let game. Bridget listen so she gets an idea Ooh, of how it's played. Yeah. I have a game, and it's not really horror. And I, 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 I'm sorry. I normally try to find a horror game, but I couldn't let this one pass up. This is this is a game for all of two dollars and fifty cents. Oh. Called Old Not Out. Uh, it is a light-hearted rules light where several players take on the role as retired criminals looking to get out in one last glorious score. Oh. Um, this sounds like Red the movie. Yeah. In the game. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I went older than, like, Red, yeah, yeah. I didn't go for the, like, action heroes. I went for, like, uh, like if, uh, um, oh, what's his name? Lemon. Uh, I linked it in the green room, by the way. Yeah, sorry, I can't think of the actor's name. Uh, it think grumpy old men, but as as like a heist movie. Okay, Jack Lemmon, Walter Matthau. Yes, yes. Oh. <laughs> okay. That's what my brain went to. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so this is it's a it's a game. They say it's ideal for beginners, single session comedic play. Yeah, and it's it's a two dollar and fifty cent PDF that gives you a character sheet and a book. And you can't go wrong with with something that simple. <laughs> and it was literally uploaded yeah. as of today. Yes. Ah, okay. <laughs> well, that's why no one's heard of it because it. Yeah. Now there's a link in the green room channel right above the one we're in. If if you want to look at oh, it. Oh, thanks, baby. All right. So is that what you got, Steve? That's what I got. All right. Well, I'm going to uh, I'm going to go somewhere, and this is uh, also fairly new. Um, oh, came out about. 10 days ago, although it was on Kickstarter and drew it a little bit of attention a little bit ago. It's a game called Brindlewood Bay. Yes! <laughs> which I think ties perfectly into what you were saying about Jack Lim and Walter Matthau going on a heist, because <laughs> I'm sorry, when I read the premise of Brindlewood Bay, all I can see is the Golden Girls, or perhaps Designing Women. <laughs> <laughs> but Brindlewood Bay is a tabletop game now they're claiming that it combines murder she wrote with hp lovecraft yeah a group of elderly women in the local murder mystery book club who help people solve actual cases in this little new england town well so move it to miami you know use the golden girls whatever i'm sorry i think julia sugarbaker investigating supernatural horror would be hilarious <laughs> i that's just a crossover episode we never got it's it's murder she wrote crossover with the golden girls we just never got that actual episode but this i mean pdf is 15 bucks uh they this is the kickstarter edition of it again i'll drop the link just for also for me to be able to find it easier later Ah, <laughs> but yeah pdf's 15 bucks it's 170 ish pages um also based on powered by the apocalypse you know, and of course, over the course of their investigations, they become aware of occult conspiracies and all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, apparently it looks like it comes with a half a dozen kind of introductory scenario, you know, ideas, whatever. Um, it says it comes with a dark conspiracy sheet, which I imagine is kind of like, um, oh, I'm guessing it probably something like the, um, what do they call that one in Knights Black Agents? The Conspiramid? Mm. The conspiramid. <laughs> mm -hmm. Is that what it's called? That's amazing. <laughs> in in Knights Black Agents, yeah, they have this sheet that you fill out. It's like all your lower level whatever, and it tapers up to the big bad guy at the top. That's amazing. Absolutely love it. Oh, the dossier just climbs. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that's mine again. It's called Brindlewood Bay, and uh, marked as the the Kickstarter edition. But like always, the links to all this stuff will be in the show notes if you're curious. So. All right. What do you got for us, Bridget? I'm going to 
stick with horror, but just in case uh, members of your audience are like, yeah, I kind of want to try the horror thing, but I'm just... But D&D, uh, I am going to plug Dark Places and Demogorgons. Have you guys familiar uh, with that game from Bloat yes. Games? Okay. My girlfriend's a very big uh, Stranger Things fan. Stranger Things fan. Yeah. Yes! And so it was one of those things where I was like, okay, uh, I have a couple options. We can play yeah. uh, Pugmire, because I know you like dogs. <laughs> or we could play this, because I know you like Stranger Things. And she's yep. like, I want to play Pugmire. I'm like, okay, sweet. Thank, okay, sweet. thank you. We'll do that. We'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Dark Places and Demogordons by uh, Bloat Games is for old school essentials. So, you people who play D&D, this is going to be very similar in your wheelhouse uh, as far as, like, your characteristics or your stats or whatever they call it and your skills. Uh, it's just boiled down and it's super simplified. Um, it is currently on Kickstarter. Currently, it blew the doors off of its funding goal. So if you want to hop in and grab the PDF, it's 30 bucks right now. You have, well, seven days from the point of recording. So by the time this releases, you might be out of luck. But yep. um, <laughs> basically, this is an OSR horror TTRPG set in the 1980s. Um, you play those iconic teenagers from a small town where strange occurrences begin popping up all around. You know, the busy or the adults are too busy to care. The police don't believe you and are typically useless. And it's up to you and your friends on bikes to figure out what's going on and to stop it from happening again. Rules light with enough overlap where you can go, oh, this is kind of set up like your D&D character sheet. Uh, and it's a light touch into horror if you want to put your foot in it and go, what's horror really like? Oh, okay. I can I can work with this. So if you're looking to transition from um, basically your D&D gateway, Dark Place and Demogorgon might be a great place for you to start. Cool. Cool. Nice. All right. Well. Well. With all that being said, I, <laughs> as always, links to everything are in the show notes. Again, Patreon, Discord, Facebook, Twitter, all of that's there. I want to thank everyone for listening and remind you to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Hey! Yep, take care, y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and RPGs. Find us on Facebook at Me and Steve RPG Podcast, on Discord at Me and Steve RPGs, and as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you, and be kind to one another. How much for the cigar? Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You gotta go down the street to the store and buy that. Steve and Steve, thank you for having me. This was a blast. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. I'd love to have you back in the near future. Oh, my yeah. God. Listen, just, yeah, have Steve schedule it, and then I'll coordinate with Steve. We need to get this alien game going. I'm dead serious. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Let's, yes. let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> From Miskatonic <laughs> University Podcast.